0: If you have a copy of scripture, we're going to begin in the book of Proverbs chapter 18 today. Proverbs 18. Today, I want to ask you a simple question. I want to ask you to examine this question. What is the culture of your family. What is the culture of your family? I had a friend tell me one time that culture is created by the words that we say and the stories that we tell. I'm gonna say that again. Culture is created by the words that we say and the stories that we tell. What is the culture of your family? I can tell you the culture of your family based upon the words that you say to one another. I can tell you the culture of your family based upon the stories that you say about one another. What is the culture of your family? When it comes to how y'all talk to each other, what is the culture? Today, I want us to spend some time thinking about the words that come out of our mouth. God has been taking me through this process of reflection when thinking about the words of life and the words of death and what comes out of the tongue. So let's go ahead and read Proverbs 1821 because it's going to create a framework by which we work in today. Proverbs 1821. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you know that you have the ability to speak life into someone? You also have the ability to speak death into someone because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me put it this way. Do y'all remember a moment when someone has spoken life into you? Y'all remember that? Someone spoke a word of encouragement over you, over your family, over the hardship you were going in? And how it was just like a fresh breath of air just came inside of you? Have you also remembered a moment when someone spoke death over you? Now, just out of curiosity, show of hands, how many of y'all remember the words of death a little more than the words of life? Yeah? Okay, two of y'all are brave. Everyone else, you're lying. We all remember the words of death. I'll move this a little bit. We remember the words of death. And did you know that in families, words of death and words of life are spoken to each other on a frequent basis. All of us are a part of some sort of family unit. And in this Thanksgiving, the majority of us are going back to our families. That could be the family that you live with right now, your immediate family. It could be your extended family, or maybe it's just friends that you feel like family with each other. But all of us, in some sort of degree, will most likely be spending time with some sort of family or interact with some sort of family. And if we want to acknowledge the culture of our family, we need to pay close attention to the words that we say in our family. So there were actually unhealthy families in the Bible. Have you all ever noticed that? Not a bunch of perfect families in the Bible? So let's go ahead and do a brief little synopsis of unhealthy families in the Bible. We'll start off with Adam and Eve. We didn't get very far, did we? (laughs) Adam and Eve. It's perfect, it's harmonious, then all of a sudden they start eating up this fruit. And this is the paraphrased version, but God pretty much says, what happened? What does Adam say? Well, that woman over there... She, she gave me this fruit, and you know. Uh, <laughs> what does he do? He begins to verbally attack his wife. Husbands, the very first husband verbally attacks his wife. That woman gave me this fruit, it's her fault. Okay, we'll move a little bit further. What about Joseph? Joseph, the coat of many colors, he has a dream. And he shares that dream at breakfast with his brothers. And he says, y'all won't believe this. I dreamt that all of y'all were gonna worship me. And I, you know, and and they didn't like that. (laughs) So much so that they're out in the field later that day and Joseph comes out to give them some bread or something and and they go, who's this dreamer? And their words showed a condition of their hearts. And they beat him, and they sold him into slavery. You see, the words showed a culture. Who's this dreamer? Who does this guy think he is? Let's jump a little further. How about King David? Before he was King David, when he was still shepherd boy David? You remember, his brothers were out to fight Goliath. And while they're fighting Goliath, His dad, Jesse, says, hey, send him some food and just tell me how it's going. So David has an errand. He goes and takes a loaf of bread. And how is he greeted by his brothers? His brothers say, what are you doing here? Go back to the sheep. Get out of here. You see, each culture of a family is different. Adam and Eve, an immediate verbal attack. Joseph, real, real, real hatred. But in David, passive criticism. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Get out of here. I believe the Bible wants us to recognize the words that we say to each other. To recognize the impact that the words can have on one another. Because... Death and life come out of the tongue. And this Thanksgiving season, this holiday season, we can speak death or we can speak life. How many of y'all are aware that the words that we say have a lasting impact? You can't take them back. The words of life that were said, they're said. The words of death that were said, they're said. I'd like to illustrate this. Uh, Ryder Drake, where are you, buddy? All right, come up here. Come up here. Y'all, give it up for Ryder. Come on. Okay, Ryder, I need your help with something. Can you help me? Sure. sure. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right, come up here. Come up here. All right, Ryder, underneath this towel, you want to just, just want to see what's underneath the towel? Sure. Sure. Okay. Good. All right. It's a, it's a thing of toothpaste. All right, here's what I want you to do. This is a real important mission. I need you to help me with the mission. Can you help me? Sure. Sure, okay. <laughs> I need you to take all of the contents of that toothpaste and, and, and squeeze them out. Okay. I need you to do it in 10 seconds. Ready, set, go. Someone's counting. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Come on, y'all cheer him on, cheer him on. Come on, here we go. Come on, come on three, two, one. All right, he did it. He did it. Y'all give it up, all right? All right. Here, I'll let you hold on to that. You might want to use it later. Um, okay, so that was the first part. Um, I now need you, are you ready for the challenge? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. we've upgraded. All mm-hmm. All right, hey, I need you to put all of that back in there. You've got 10 seconds, Ryder. And go. (laughs) Okay, you know what? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, you did good. You did good. All right. Here, you're going to need that. Tell you what, we'll just leave this here. All right, you go back to your mom and dad. You did great. why is that silly? Because you can't put toothpaste back into the toothpaste. I didn't phrase that right, but (laughs) and Ryder, you probably need to go wash your hands, but (laughs) but that's the point. The words that we say when we say them, you don't get them back. And once we say them, they're out. They're just like Colgate tooth Toothpaste. And so the words that we say, when we say them, have a lasting impact on someone. I want us to revisit Ephesians 4 that Nathan read earlier today. Can we go to Ephesians 4? Let me give you some context for that. So Paul writes the book of Ephesians to small churches around Ephesus, but here's the key word: who are young believers. Now, when we hear the phrase young believers, we think, okay, they just recently came to know the Lord. They don't know anything. But I want you to really emphasize in the word immature. Do you know that someone can be 70 years old and still immature in their faith? Just like someone can be 12 and still immature. So he's speaking to someone who does not have mature faith. And he's describing what the family of God needs to look like. And God God absolutely cares about the way that we interact with each other. He cares about how we speak to one another and how we care for one another. I want to draw your attention to two different verses. If you can go to Ephesians 4, I want to first look at verse 25. Now the context of this is Paul has just talked about the old self and the new self If you've been raised with Christ, you know, you're the new self. The old self is dead. And he says, so what does it look like to live as a Christian? Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. I think a quick reading of this verse, you might take away a very practical application which says you need to tell the truth. Which we would all say, amen, yes. God wants us to tell the truth. But you notice that the verse didn't end there? It went on to say, why? Because we belong to one another. When we speak words of death... We create a culture in our family where it's me against you. And rather than striving side by side for one, un- one purposeful goal, it becomes a competition of who will win this dispute. It becomes a moment where I'm going to exert my authority or my opinion or my brilliance for this. This reminds me of... The, a movie that came out in 2004 called Miracle. Did y'all ever see Miracle about the 1980 Olympic team? Okay, six of y'all. All right, so 1980, it was the U.S. hockey team versus uh, the USSR hockey team. And it was in for, for, the, for the Olympic gold. And what they did is they pulled all of these stellar college hockey athletes And they put them together on one team. And they thought, man, we're we're just so good. All we gotta do is just go out there and we'll beat everyone. The first exhibition, they got destroyed. I mean, we're talking like 10 to 0. Just completely destroyed. Why? Because they all had individual talent, but they weren't working together. They didn't realize they belonged to one another. And they kept losing and losing and losing. And in the movie, you'll see this, that the coach asks them, he'll go to each player and he says, who do you play for? And he'll say, the University of California. You go to another player, who do you play for? University of Rhode Island. Until there's a moment in the movie when they're doing sprints back and forth that the, the question is asked, who do you play for? And he says, I play for the United States of America. It's a powerful moment in this movie and the picture is that he's, he's left behind the thing that used to identify him on the individual level and has come to be recognized for what he belongs the, on the team level. You see, when, he's, when Paul says we belong to one another, I have that image of saying, I no longer play for the University of California. I play for the team of USA. He's saying we belong to one another. And when our words are deaf and our words are against each other, we're not realizing in our mind that we actually belong to one another. It becomes a dispute we must win. Go down to verse 29. Paul has more to say about the words that we speak. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If I may take that and just do a little paraphrase here, Paul calls young believers to encouragement, to be encouragers. And he says to not become people who are critical toward others. There's a push for encouragement, not criticism. In the culture of your family, is there a culture of encouragement or criticism? And it is at this point that you might have begun to think about someone else. They need to hear this. They need to move from criticism to encouragement. And what I want to remind you is that you are in the room today. And that God wants to talk to you about your words. And which culture are you feeding in your family? I want you to think about how you speak to those in your family. Which one best describes you? Encouraging or critical? Which one best describes you? Encouraging or critical? You see, the family of God needs to take advantage of opportunities to speak life into people. It's not just that we're not wanting to speak death. We're wanting to take advantage of opportunities to speak life. Life. So here's a, a question of reflection today. Who in your family needs to be encouraged? Who in your family needs to be encouraged? Who needs to be built up, as the text would say, for building up? And You can often figure out who this person is because they're the person that often gets tore down by the others. You know how families sometimes have that one person they make fun of? Or, or friend groups have that one person that we make fun of? Who needs words of life? And what is the culture? And, but sadly, if we often look at the cultures of our families, we are prone to mirror criticism instead of encouragement. But this comes in different forms. There's the loud and in obvious criticism. I don't need to give an example for that. We're well aware of what that looks like. To the point calling you out slander, but then there's the passive criticism that I think lives in our homes. Sometimes criticism can become so ingrained in the way that we speak that we don't even begin to notice it anymore. We develop blind spots. And so when when Paul says, "Don't, don't be critical, but build one another up, we say yes and amen But then the question is, okay, so what does that actually look like in your life? And you go, well, I don't have any criticism in my life. And I think the step that God's wanting to invite you to is say, actually, can we take another look there? Can we take another look? You know, phrases like, you know, if they would have listened to me, they wouldn't be here right now. Or, well, you know them, that's just how they are. What is the passive criticism that lives in you? Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about we interact and speak to one another. So much to say. Matter of fact, much of my week was going through what the Bible had to say. Um, It's extraordinary how much God cares about the words that come out of our mouth. It's extraordinary. The Bible paints two different types of cultures. To go back to the idea of culture, there's the culture of the family of God, and there's the culture of the world. And when you speak, you can invest in the culture of the family of God, or you can invest in the culture of the world. And when you interact with your family, you can choose a culture. Psalm 139, I think, is going to be very helpful for us today. The last two verses if you've never memorized these verses I love just giving you that challenge today Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. Because what we're about to do is we're about to go through what the Bible says about how we should interact with each other with our words. We're we're going to read what Scripture says, and I'm going to let Scripture talk to you. But that will not be fruitful unless we open up our heart to hear from God. Unless we allow God to speak to us about this subject, we're not going anywhere. What does Psalm 139, 23, 24 says? It says, search me, O God. Try me and know my heart. Know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. We're saying right now, God, search my heart. Know my thoughts. and, And show me the truth. You see, I think today is a day for personal Reflection. My question with you is, are you willing to have a conversation with God about this? So this is kind of out of the ordinary and unorthodox, but I'd like to pray in the middle of the sermon that our hearts might be open to what God might have to say as we go through scripture. Let's pray. God, as we read what your word says about how we are to speak, I pray that you would show us our blind spots you would show us where we have grown and you would show us what the family of God ought to look like and that we would do so um, for you. In your name, amen. Okay, I wanna read through two different cultures and all of this is found directly in scripture. None of this is just my opinion. (laughs) The first one is the culture of the family of God. And you're gonna forgive me, I'm going to just read from this. The goal, and we didn't put this on the screen on purpose, we want you to meditate on this with the Lord. I just want you to listen and receive so that you might hear what God has to say for you today. Just listen and receive. Here's the culture of the family of God. The culture of the family of God is one that's quick to listen, slow to speak. That's in the book of James. It builds one another up, And it's giving grace to those who hear, Ephesians. It speaks graciously, enriching the other person, Colossians. Brings healing with their words, Proverbs. Shows restraint with their words, Proverbs. Speaks the truth in love, Ephesians. Speaks words of kindness and forgiveness. Speak evil of no one, Titus. Avoid arguing and is gentle in all of their words. Titus gives thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians continually rejoices. They speak words of peace and mutual upbuilding. Romans speak words that are acceptable to God. Psalms speak words that are encouraging. Ephesians. They speak words that are in agreement with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. They say things of kindness. They say things of gentleness. They say things of self-control. Galatians. In contrary, here's what the Bible says about how those who are in the world speak to one another. They speak words in anger, wrath, and malice. Colossians. They say... Filthy and foolish words, Ephesians. They participate in crude jokes. They talk about irreverent babble. They speak words of death. They take the name of the Lord in vain. They speak harshly with someone when they're confronted. They say words of slander. They throw people under the bus. They criticize them. They speak words that don't match the occasion They speak perverse language. They say deceitful things. They speak rash and they hurt others with what they say. They say careless words. They actively insult their family. They say words of profanity, deceit, and oppression. They make promises that they can't keep. They stir up fights and they are slow to listen to one another. Now, that was about 40 different references. But what I'm asking you to do is to say, God, will you show me how I speak? Will you show me what I say? Because the power of death and life is in the tongue. The question that might come about is that if you sit here and you think through those things and maybe you said, man, I aligned a little more in the culture of the world than I did on the culture of the, of the family of God. Or you might say, I aligned right here, but there were some weak spots. That's where I would say, there's some weak spots within me. Moments when I'm, I'm harsh, moments when I don't say things that are according to the need of the moment. Moments when I do things out of my own selfish ambition. When I sound a lot like David's brother's. And God, in that moment, wants to talk to me. What we're tempted to do is think, wow, that came out of nowhere. You know, that's not my character. I I can't believe I said that. You ever heard anyone say that before? Okay, we need to look at what God's word says. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus says two things about those kind of instances. Matthew 12, verse 34. I just want to read that for you real quick. And here's what he says. He's rebuking. He says, you brought a vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? And here it is for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're often prone to say, man, that came out of nowhere. I can't believe I said that. That's not like me. When we say words that don't align with the character of God, it shows that something's off in our heart. It's not just that we said something foolish. It's that something is off in our heart. Matter of fact, Jesus has more to say about that. Matthew 15, look at verses 18 and 19. He says this, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, and slander. Jesus says that our words actually reflect our hearts. If the words that you're saying are are words of life or words of death, that will mirror how your heart is. But our hearts are geared toward selfishness. Our hearts are geared toward selfish ambition and doing what we want. You see, when we say words that align with the culture of the world, we need to come to the Lord and say, God, will you change my desires? If out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, then when, when we say things that don't align with, with God's desires, we have to come back to him and say, God, don't just change what I say. Change what I'm thinking. Change my heart's desires within me. Because if you leave today saying, okay, I need to quit saying bad things, quit sa- start saying good things, you've missed it. Because God is asking you to invite him into this process where he's shaping and molding the words that we say. And so much so that he wants to change our heart. I just think about those prayers, those earnest, honest, open prayers that we have with God, where we say, God, will you change my desires? God, will you, will you help me speak life over people? God, my words, I've been careless with them. What's off within me, Lord. Psalm 139, search my heart, O God. Show me. I think God is inviting us to have a moment where we recognize what kinds of words we've been saying. Maybe you're acknowledging moments where you've spoken death over someone. Or maybe you're acknowledging moments where you've spoken as someone who belongs to the world and not belonging to the family of God. I think we have to ask God to show us the brokenness inside our hearts so that we might come to him and then ask him in return to heal it. When we don't think that we have spoken anything that's hurt anyone, we're not convinced that our heart's broken. We need to come to God and say, God, my heart is broken. Will you heal it? Will you give me the right desires? So I'd like to take this all the way back to the original question. What is the culture of your family? How does your family speak to each other? Does your family mirror a culture of the family of God or mirror a culture of the world? If you're like most families, you have good days and bad days. But what I can show you, though, is that based upon the words that you're saying, you are contributing to one of those cultures in your family. You see, you can't be upset about the culture of your family and then continually contribute to that culture. And likewise, if you want a culture of speaking life, you need to have a culture within you that where your words are speaking life. Which culture are you contributing today? So here's some practical steps. Will you have an honest conversation with God about the words that you say? Will you have an honest conversation with God? Where you're sitting with God and you're saying, okay, God, show me. Am I speaking life or death? I want to speak life. Every word Jesus ever spoke was words of life. Uh, Here's another one. This one's a little more vulnerable. Will you ask someone to have a conversation with you about the words that you say? And When you say, will you show me my blind spots? Will you show me areas that I'm not even aware of? Will you show me areas in where I'm speaking death and it's unintentional? I think we need that friend in our life. Maybe you need to seek forgiveness of someone today. Or maybe you just need to say, man, there's someone at my Thanksgiving dinner that I need to speak life to. And they need it. So I would invite you to stand for invitation right now. And as we do that, I want to challenge you with those steps. But in this moment, as we interact with God, the questions are, who in this room do you need to ask for forgiveness? Or do you need to meet with the Lord? Maybe come down and pray and ask God to forgive you and ask him to change your heart. Or maybe you're in here and you're saying, I actually don't have a relationship with God. I belong outside of the family of God. And these words that have been spoken over me are words of death, death, and death. And to you, I would say, God has words for life for your soul where you can choose to believe in him. You can choose to accept God's gift to become a part of the family of God. And you can do that today and you can talk to a prayer partner in the back. But all of us need to meet with God and ask him, God, where's my heart? What are the words that I say actually say about my heart? Let's pray together. Lord, we want the words of our heart, words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart to be pleasing to you, O oh God. God, sometimes our words, we become frivolous with them. We do not guard them. And we speak in a way that does not belong in your family. We, we choose criticism over encouragement. And we choose death over life. God, I, I, I pray that we would be repentant of that. And that this Thanksgiving, we would have words of thankfulness. We would have words of life and words of encouragement that honor you. And that you would speak to us about what's on the inside. I ask this in your name. Amen.